Amen. I want to just reiterate the invitation that uh, Jordan gave to Wednesday night. It is our Thanksgiving dinner that we're, the, that we're going to have here uh, for before our classes and all of that. And we're excited about that. Hope that you join us. Even if you haven't been, you're more than welcome to come. Uh, for those of you who have been attending Sherman Kreitzer's class called Think Like a Detective, which is kind of a defense of our faith, he wrapped up his material last Wednesday night. And I know he probably said that there was no class, but there actually is going to be a class this Wednesday. And uh, I'm going to be showing a video from Lee Strobel. Uh, Lee was a, uh, a, a newspaper uh, columnist for the Chicago Tribune. He was an atheist uh, and lived a, a very heathen kind of life in his own words. And uh, his wife became a Christian and he set out to disprove his wife's religion and in so doing convinced himself that not only did the Bible have to be true, but Jesus had to be who he claimed to be. He has an incredible testimony and gives some great evidences on why you can trust who Jesus is. And again, we're going to be doing that in Classroom C. Even if you've not been, you're more than welcome to come at Classroom C uh, at 6.30. And I'll be leading that and we'll show in the video. Hope that you'll join us for that as we wrap up this year. We'll be kicking classes off again uh, after the first of the year. You know, Lee, Lee is known, I mean, he's become an apologist for the faith, uh, but he's known as a guy who was a doubter, who God changed his mind. But can we just get honest with each other for just a moment? How many of you would be honest enough to admit that along the way, you've had your own doubts uh, about life, about God, about religion, about all that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, if we're honest, I think almost all of us go through those kinds of times and, uh, and that's what I want to talk about today, because sometimes I think when we have doubts, we start feeling guilty, and uh, we kind of get embarrassed, and we, we start shying away from God. But what if I told you that our God is a God who is willing to meet us right where we are in our doubts? You ready? I want to look at a, at a story of a guy who became famous for doubting. <laughs> His name is Doubting. Thomas, yeah, many of you know that name. We're going to throw the passage of Scripture up on the screen from John 20. This is from the New Living Translation. And uh, look with me as, as we read. Now, the, the context of the story is that Thomas, um, uh, this is after the resurrection. Jesus has already appeared to uh, several women. He's already actually appeared to his disciples one time. But Thomas wasn't there. And so he's kind of been out of the loop of all of this. And uh, even though there have been several people who have said it, Thomas is just really having a hard time believing it. Here's the storyline. It says, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the other disciples, others when Jesus came. And they told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas replied, I won't believe it until I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers in them and place my hand into the wound on his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them and the doors were locked. And suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand in the wound on my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe, my Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed. And then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. 
Now, when I was sitting with this passage last week, I, I, man, my mind went a thousand different directions on things that I could share, but this last line that we just shared really hit me because here's what I want you to know. I want you to make eye contact and I want you to hear what I'm saying to you. Jesus said to you who believe him without having seen him physically like Thomas, you're blessed. You're blessed. Jesus doesn't take for granted how hard it can be sometimes for us to believe without really seeing. And so if you are a Christ follower, if you have chosen to place your faith in him, Jesus says you're blessed for doing that. But if we're honest, I, I would guess that there are some of us who still have some doubts. Um, maybe for you even, pop up from time to time of things. And, and why do we doubt? When, when does doubt come along? Well, several times. I thought of several. Let me give you five of them. Um, we, we sometimes will doubt when, when we're not experienced enough in our faith. When we're not experienced enough in our faith. Jesus told the story of a, of a farmer who was scattering seed. And one of the descriptions he says is, you know, sometimes what happens is you throw the seed and, and the bird snatches it right off the path. And what Jesus was talking about is sometimes before this word of God can really take root in people's hearts, sometimes the enemy comes along and, and snatches it away. And when I was thinking about doubting, I realized that sometimes in, in our journey, we, we, haven't, we haven't been with God long enough. We haven't spent enough time in his word yet. We haven't been with enough other believers and, and grown in our faith. In Ephesians, Paul says, let, let your roots go down deep in your faith. And, and that's what really holds us fast and true. And sometimes the doubts come because simply we're, we're, we just haven't been at this long enough. We don't know enough. And so it's easy to doubt. Sometimes uh, we doubt when we've become confused by unbelievers. Sometimes we, we doubt when we become confused by unbelievers. I remember <clears throat> when I was in high school uh, in biology class in our textbook, uh, on the, the creation of things, or actually it was on uh, evolution and how things came to be. There was a paragraph that talked about divine creation, that some people believe that there was a divine creation. And I'll never forget, and it was the first time I think publicly I'd ever heard anyone say this, but my biology teacher you know, called attention to that in our textbook and laughed and said, but of course no one really believes that. And I thought it was so interesting. And sometimes maybe you have run into people who are really smart people, but for whatever reason, they don't believe in God. Somehow their minds can conceive of a world that just happened. Mine can't, but some people can. I remember Wanda talking about when she was young in the faith, reading a book. Uh, where the author of this book tried to point out all kinds of misconceptions and inconsistencies with Scripture, all this kind of stuff. And Wanda said, you know, that book rocked my world for a while. And, and God had to put a steadying hand on her to kind of bring her back to level on, on her faith. And that can happen. Uh, unbelievers can, can cause us to doubt. Sometimes we doubt when we've been hurt by other believers. When we've been hurt by other believers. Come on. How many of you have ever been hurt by someone who has called themselves a Christian? Yeah, the rest of you not holding your hands up are liars. Yeah, yeah. because we do. We, it, it happens sometimes. I had, a, I had a, a guy this last week, the guy who delivered our bleachers, that if you haven't seen the new bleachers that are installed in the gym now, they're really, really nice. But the guy who drove the truck from Chicago, his name is Jay. And Jay, if you're watching, dude, just going to give you a shout out. I loved having a chance to talk with you. Uh, you're really cool, man. Thanks for, thanks for bringing those to us. But Jay, Jay asked me when he found out that I was the pastor, he goes, can I ask you a couple of questions? And I go, okay, here we go. You know, what's, what's up? But he, he said, you know, does it ever get to you how people can be? 
He said, you know, he said, I'm, I'm struggling, you know, going to church. I actually haven't been in a while because, you know, I've just found that people, you know, people can just be really different, not, and sometimes people hurt me, you know, and that kind of stuff. And he was just kind of going down that line. He said, did that ever, does that ever discourage you? And I said, well, yeah, it does sometimes. I said, but you know, here's the deal, Jay. I said, I, I, I raised two boys. And one of the things you discover if you have kids, if you expect kids to act like anything other than kids, you're going to be sadly disappointed because kids will be kids. Amen? They will be. And I said, and I've discovered the same thing with, with, with in, in, in pastoring. I said, when, every day when I get up and I go to church, here's what I know. Here's who I'm going to deal with. People. Everywhere I go, Sadly enough, there are people. And I don't expect people to act like anything other than people. And so when people sometimes get upset, people get angry, people get whatever, you just have to do that. But sometimes, sometimes when we've been hurt by people, particularly people who kind of present themselves as being really godly, you know what? Sometimes it's, it can make us doubt, you know, I don't, I, maybe, maybe I just give up on this whole God thing. Sometimes we have doubts about ourselves. Sometimes our doubts are about ourselves. That, those, our doubts maybe come about, you know, I just struggle to believe and, you know, maybe, maybe faith just isn't for me. Or maybe, maybe we have really low self-esteem and we're struggling with this idea of, you know what, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe this, if there is a God, I can't imagine he would love someone like me. Maybe sometimes our doubts are not about God or really more about us. But here's another one. When we've been disappointed by God, when we've been disappointed by God. How many of you have made the discovery in your journey of faith that you can't control God? Anybody? Yeah. Isn't that maddening? You know, it, what happens along the way is that you know, we see something that we think is a really good thing and we think God is going to do that good thing and when God doesn't, we get disappointed. Or sometimes we pray for something to happen. We pray for someone to be healed and they aren't healed. Or we pray for a particular job and we don't get that job. Or, 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 or we pray about something that doesn't come to be and then all of a sudden when it doesn't come to be, we're going, dear God, what's the deal, man? I'm, I'm doing my part. How come not you're, you're not doing yours? And sometimes that disappointment can lead us down a path of saying, well, maybe, maybe God's not real, or, or if he is real, maybe he's really detached. Sometimes doubt comes because we've been disappointed. Whatever the doubt comes from, here's what we need to know. We need to lean into that doubt, and we need to deal with it. Because that doubt, believe it or not, can become toxic to us along the way. We say, well, Steve, is doubt really a big deal? Yeah, it was a big deal to Jesus, and it should be a big deal to us. So, saw this last week. This is, a, this is really gross, but it's really cool. Um, you got, your youth will like this. Throw that picture up on the screen. That nasty little creature right there, that's a, that's a whelk. Yeah, have, you ever, have you ever heard of whelks before? I'd never heard of them before, but I, I read this article. And I just thought this was fascinating. They look like ugly little snails, don't they? And you would think these things are harmless, but believe it or not, these things are carnivorous. They're carnivorous. And what they do is these, these things will actually find oysters and they'll eat them. Now, I thought, this is crazy. I mean, oysters are like 
tanks underwater, you know? I mean, they got, they got the hard shell and they're all clammed up, you know, protect. But, but what these things do, you see that long appendage that they have? That's a drill. That's like a drill bit. And these things actually attach themselves to oysters and other things. And they bore through the shell and just suck the guts out of whatever's inside. It's kind of a nasty little, throw that next picture up on the ground. I'm not going to show you, not going to show you the guts. Don't worry. No, no, don't panic. But I want you to notice that hole in that, that's, that's from a whelk. A whelk attached itself to it, bore through the, bore through the shell and, and drained it of life. Now, don't miss this. This is so good. That's what happens with doubt. If you dwell on your doubt, if you make room for your doubt, if you camp on that doubt, here's what begins to happen. The enemy begins to bore down through into your soul and he will begin to drain the life and faith out of you. That's why we need to allow God to meet us right where we are in our doubt. I want you to, I want you to go back to the story of Thomas with me for a few minutes. And I want to give you just a few thoughts that hit me when I was reading about how, how Jesus met Thomas right where he was. There's some great lessons, I think, for all of us that we can gain from this. Are you ready? Let me, let me give you a few thoughts. Here's the first one. When doubt becomes strong, bring other believers near. When doubt becomes strong, bring other believers near. <clears throat> now, this is counterintuitive to how most of us operate because when we get frustrated or when we get doubtful or when we're having a hard time with God what's interesting is rather than going to church we tend to withdraw from the church instead of instead of surrounding ourselves with believers we we tend we tend to pull away now again that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do because it's when you isolate yourself it's when you're on your own that's when he can just tear into you because you don't have anyone holding you up and speaking other truth into your ears i want you to find it interesting in this story that when jesus appeared to the disciples the very first time thomas was nowhere around he was off on his own somewhere. And so while, while the disciples got to have this incredible experience with Jesus and became full of faith, when Thomas ran into him again, and they're all going, we've seen the Lord. He's going, well, I didn't see the Lord. You know, I, I'm, I don't care what all you guys say. I'm not, I'm not going to believe it. Why? Because he had separated himself from the believers. Now, if, if you're at a place where you're struggling with doubt, sometimes we start feeling guilty about that. I don't belong in church. All of these lies that the enemy does because he's trying to isolate us and have us step away. But you can't. You need to lean into each other and bring other believers near. I love how Hebrews says it in Hebrews 10, 25. Read it out loud with me. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage one another, especially now that the time of his return is drawing near. I put this statement on your outline. When you're struggling to hold on to God, let God's people hold on to you. Gang, that is why we make such a big deal about not just coming to church, but plugging into groups. You need to be connected to people who are going to hold on to you when you're going through that time. Several years ago, when I was an associate pastor here, um, had a, a, a gal who 
after one of our um, young adult uh, Bible studies that we had was talking to me about this just very difficult place that she was in. And she was very discouraged. And she said to me, she said, you know, Steve, she goes, I've just come to a place where I've run out of faith. You know, I just, I, I've just come to a place where I've run out of faith. And I looked at her and I said, it's okay. All of us go through these dry periods at different times on our journey, but here's the deal. Stay close to us. Keep coming. We, our group, we will be your faith until your faith returns. Does that make sense to you? When doubts grow strong, bring other believers near. Here's the second one, and I hope this blesses you. When you, when you look at the story of Jesus presenting himself to Thomas and him showing him his wounds, think this thought. Jesus' wounds are a sign that he identifies with our hurts and our doubts. He identifies with that. You know, sometimes when we, when we talk about Jesus, we forget that Jesus was as fully human as he was divine. And it's, it's hard to wrap our minds around that dynamic tension, but, but Jesus went through all, all the stuff that we deal with. The Hebrew says that Jesus was tempted in every way like we are, yet he, he, he overcame it. He just didn't sin. And when you think about the human experience, isn't hurt and doubt, aren't those all part of the, the human experience? Well, absolutely they are. Um, I, I want you to look at the passage of Scripture. Look at, look, I've, I've got two there for you. The first one is from Matthew 26, verse 39. This was when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew what was coming. He knew the cross was ahead. Look at what Jesus says. He goes, when he, w- he went on a little farther and he bowed with his face to the ground praying, read it with me, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Now let that settle in for a second. Jesus didn't just rush into the cross thinking, oh, this is going to be a fun thing to do. You know, the Bible says that when Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane, it says that his soul was overwhelmed to the point of death. He was absolutely overwhelmed about what he was facing. Did you hear his prayer? Father, if it's possible, if there is any other way to do this, can we do that? I'll do what you want me to do, but is there any other way? I want you to notice that dynamic tension between the human and the divine. Jesus understood fear, doubt, pain, On the cross, Matthew 27, verse 46, it says at about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which is Aramaic for my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? You see, so often when when we we have doubts, we're, we're afraid to come to God. We're afraid that he's going to be mad at us. We're, we're afraid he's going to be upset with us. We're, we're afraid he's going to be disappointed in us. But here's the deal. Jesus understands exactly what you're going through. If there is anyone who gets it, it's him. When you look at the wounds of Jesus, it is the visible 
reminder that for all of eternity, he understands our human experience. That's why I love in Hebrews, it talks about Jesus interceding for us, that he ever lives to, to intercede before the Father on our behalf. And man, if I've got somebody praying on my behalf, I want them to understand what I'm going through, and Jesus does. That's good stuff. Another lesson from this passage that hit me is that doubt and faith are both fed by our focus. Doubt and faith are both fed by our focus. I love in, in, when Jesus was talking to, to, to Thomas, one of the things he said was, don't be faithless any longer believe. And uh, interesting, as I was reading uh, commentaries on, on the background of the story and various things, one, one of the commentators pointed out something I thought was really cool. He said, you know, the, the way that verse is laid out, one of, the, one of the ways that that can be translated is stop becoming an unbeliever and become a believer. Let that sink in for a second. Jesus looks at Thomas and says, stop becoming an unbeliever and become a believer. Now, what was Jesus getting at? Thomas, you, you gotta rearrange your focus, dude. You, you, you've gotta look and re, reacquaint yourself and rediscover again who I really am and what I can really do. And it hit me when I was thinking about that. You know, if you, if you stare at the things that you're doubtful about, if you let those fill your mind and consume you, guess what? Doubt will get bigger and bigger and bigger. But if you focus on things of the faith, if you focus on God and who he is, if you focus on God's word, guess what begins to happen? You begin to be filled with faith. You know, Thomas isolated himself from the, from the other believers, and I don't know where his mind went. Maybe, maybe all he could see was Jesus being arrested and all the disciples running for the hills. Maybe all he could see in his mind was Jesus being drugged through the streets or beaten right out there in front of everybody. Maybe all he could picture was Jesus on a cross, nailed with his hands and his feet, and watching him die. Maybe he couldn't get past that and thinking, I saw him die. Now, again, this wasn't what Thomas thought was going to happen. Thomas thought Jesus was going to set Israel free. He thought Jesus was going to come tear down the Roman Empire and build this new government and the disciples would get to be the Congress of this new government. He had all these images on their mind and it all died on the cross. And Pete, Thomas couldn't get past the fact Jesus died. But think about it for a second. What if Thomas had gone back in his mind to why he left to follow Jesus in the first place? What if he allowed his mind to go back to seeing Jesus take the fishes and loaves and multiply them for the people? What, what if he had remembered Jesus walking on water and how unbelievable that was? What if he remembered him turning the water into wine? What if he would remember all of the people that Jesus healed? What if he would remember Jesus encountering Jairus who took him to his daughter who was dead and Jesus brought this daughter back to life? What, what if he had remembered the widow that Jesus encountered whose son had died, and Jesus brought him back to life. What if Thomas had remembered, because he was there, if you go back to John 11 in the story of Lazarus, if he had remembered Lazarus, who had been dead for what, three, four days? And Jesus did what? 
He raised him from the dead. And if Jesus can raise a boy and a girl and Lazarus, don't you think he had the power to resurrect himself? You see, Thomas lost focus of all of that. And as long as you stay focused on your fears and focused on your doubts and focused on your unbelief, guess what? Your doubt and your unbelief is gonna grow. Because what, look at me, what gets your mind gets you. Can I say that again? What gets your mind gets you. I love how Paul framed it in Corinthians. Read it with me, church. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So I put the statement on the statements on your outline. The path of doubt, that'll lead you to despair, but the path of faith will lead you to hope. Let me give you one more. I don't want you to be afraid of doubt, but I want you to let doubt help you grow. And this is how I said it on your outline. Let doubt become the fertilizer for your faith. Let doubt become the fertilizer for your faith. Can I tell you the people who are actually the strongest in their faith? They are the people who have been at the bottom of life and found that God can reach them even there and lift them out. And when you've seen, really seen who God is, you don't forget that. Look at Thomas. You know, he, he couldn't believe what was happening and suddenly there Jesus is in a locked room with, his, with the wounds that Thomas said he needed to touch and, and he's standing there and Thomas is going, my goodness, and, and look, look at what happens to Thomas who said, I, don't, I can't believe that this actually happened, but look at what Thomas proclaimed. He called Jesus, my Lord and my God. Now that may not mean too much to you, but to say my God to another human being was absolute blasphemous in their day that you could have died for that. But Thomas went from this unbeliever to someone who was so convinced that Jesus wasn't just an extraordinary man. He was God in the flesh. You see, this doubt that he had, it actually became the fertilizer for his faith and made him grow. Now, we don't like that. We'd rather just say a prayer and take two pills and call me in the morning, you know, and our faith grow. But it's actually through the testing that faith really gets developed. I love how Paul wrote it in Romans 5. He said, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are what? Say it again. They're good for us. They help us learn to be patient. Read it with me out loud. And patience develops strength of character in us and helps us trust God more each time we use it until finally our hope and faith are strong and steady. Push through your doubt and that'll be the description of your faith. Strong and steady. You know, I, don't, I don't know where you are on your journey, what you might have gone through or what might have taken the wind out of your sails in recent times, but here's what I do now. Our God is able to meet you right here in your doubt.
if you need someone to pray with you, um, it doesn't necessarily have to be about doubting. It could be about something you're going through or your family's going through. Uh, it could be for someone else that you're really concerned about. But we've got these prayer partners here at the front for the purpose of just being able to, to pray with you about whatever may be going on in your world. Like Jordan said earlier, we, we don't want you to leave here without feeling like you're loved and supported. And Remember what I said earlier, it's not good to be alone, gang. And so if you would like someone to pray with you before you leave today, while Rachel leads us in the song, I wanna, I wanna invite you to, to slip out from where you are. You can come to any one of these and they'll be happy to, to just lean into you and pray with you about whatever's going on in your world. This song that Rachel's gonna lead us in is a great song of faith and hope. And if you have been struggling a bit with doubt, let the words of this song speak to you. Let the arms of God's Holy Spirit enfold you. Let this encourage you today to stop becoming an unbeliever and to become a believer. Fathers, we come before you today so grateful that we have a God who understands, a God who gets what we go through, a God who understands that sometimes we hurt, sometimes we get frustrated. Sometimes we get disappointed that sometimes, Lord, our, our minds get clouded with doubts. Some of us, Father, quite honestly, are just natural born skeptics, and that may be Thomas's story. Maybe he had a hard time believing all of his life and was more of a, you know, if I don't see it, I can't believe it guy from the beginning. Lord, you remind us that faith is an important part of this journey. In fact, you said without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because those who come to him must believe that he exists and that he diligently rewards those who seek him. And Father, today, I, I pray. I pray for our people, Lord, that are watching online. I pray for anyone that might be here that maybe just has some cloud of doubts in their own mind have some things that they're struggling with in their own life. And today, Father, I pray that just as you met Thomas right where he was, that you would meet us here right where we are. And Father, I pray that you would present yourself to us in such a way that it would drive away those clouds of doubt and that where fear and faithlessness once dwelt, that faith would take root and grow. Lord, I, I know that there are a lot of other challenges our people have. I know that there are a lot of us struggling with other things and they need your help, they need your power, and they need your presence. And so today, Lord God, draw near to each and every one. Let them know that just like Thomas, before Thomas ever saw you with his eyes, you knew exactly what he was going through and you know what we're going through. So put your arm around us. Give us strength for the journey. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said.